All right. Hello, Christ community. Uh, let me add uh, my voice to the video we just saw. Welcome to our college students. We are so excited for all that God's going to do in your life this year. He has a purpose for you. And he is eager to have you discover that. And we love just being a part of that journey. Um, I want to give a shout out to those at our West Campus uh, meeting at Northridge High School. You guys rock. And uh, greetings to our traditions venue as well as our friends in LaSalle. So glad that all of you are here. Well, today we are finishing up a uh, very significant teaching series um, entitled Overflow. This is something that I feel like God is stirring in, in my heart and in the heart of our church. Um, in this series, we are focusing on this amazing message that Jesus gives in Luke chapter 6. It's actually more than a message. It's really more like a vision cast. It's a Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream kind of moment where Jesus, early on in his ministry, lays out his vision for the kind of people he wants his followers to be, the kind of movement that he wants to create. And at the heart of that, at the core of this movement, is one absolutely essential element, love. Love more than anything else. Jesus wants his followers, this movement, to be characterized by love, but not just any love. As we have been talking about each week, um, the, the, Jesus, the love that Jesus talks about here, that he's calling us to, is not you know some sappy, sentimental, um, warm, fuzzy feeling kind of love that that is so often promoted today. You know that that kind of love makes for a great playlist on Spotify, but it it, it does very little to address the issues that are going on right now in our society, the things we're reading about every day. There is racial tension. There is political animosity. There is anger and hatred and violence. Wouldn't it be awesome to be a part of a, of a movement that could dramatically change that? A movement that could actually shift the atmosphere in our society from anger and violence to love and, and to peace. Well, that's exactly the movement that Jesus is calling us to be a part of in this vision cast in Luke chapter 6. Jesus is describing an overflowing, radical love that has the power to impact our cities and our, our neighborhoods and our families and our schools in an amazing way. Okay, so, so what does this highly potent love look like? Well, as we talked about two weeks ago, it involves us loving our enemies and doing good to those who hate us and blessing those who curse us. I mean, this is radical stuff. And then last week, we learned that this love involves not being judgmental and not being condemning towards other people, which is a much needed issue uh, as fo for us as followers of Jesus. So, so after addressing these huge issues, Jesus then, he really brings this teaching to a, to a he brings it home, really, kind of to a climax here, he brings it home by articulating what really is the heart of genuine love. The heart of genuine love, the essence of of real love. Look with me at verse 38. In fact, in Luke chapter 6. In fact, let's read this out loud together. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is God's word. Okay, Jesus tells us here that the heart of genuine love, the essence of genuine love is generosity. Love gives. 
Genuine love is generous. Love and generosity are intimately connected. So if we want to live this overflowing life that Jesus describes, if we, you know, we need to cultivate a generous life. So what does that look like? Well, Jesus shows us, um, not just in this verse, verse 38, he shows us actually throughout this entire vision cast in Luke chapter six. In a very real sense, generosity kind of encompasses this entire message, this entire vision. So let's look at four specific ways Jesus wants us to cultivate a generous life. First of all, cultivating an overflowing generous life involves being generous with our time being generous with our time. Look at verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Now we looked at this in detail a couple weeks ago, the specific ways we can love our enemies, and that's by doing good to them and blessing them and praying for them. What what I want to highlight is what all of those things have in common. They take time. They take time. Doing good takes time. Blessing someone takes time. Praying for someone takes time. Which raises a significant problem for most of us because we don't have any time, right? We are so busy. We have, we have all these devices that are supposed to help us save time, but they end up taking up more of our time. I mean, for most everyone I talk to, their biggest struggle, their biggest struggle in life is, is the stress of busyness. And it's easy in the midst of our busyness to lose sight of love. We we, we just don't have time to stop and care for a neighbor, right? We we don't have time to pray for someone who mistreats us. We're we're just trying to get through the day. And I totally get that. But, but, But let me remind us of the most basic time management principle. We, we all know this, but this is the most basic principle. We make time for what is important to us. We make time for what is valuable to us. I remember when I first met Raylene, I was busy with lots of stuff, doing an internship at church, lots of stuff going on, but I managed to make time for her, quite a bit of time actually, right? Suddenly in the midst of this very, very busy schedule, I carved out time to be with her. Why? Because I wanted to. I wanted to. See, I believe that all of us, deep down, all of us want to live the way Jesus is describing. We want to. The key is in creating space for that want to to happen, giving priority to loving, making time for this. So let me give just a practical opportunity to apply this. Next weekend on Sunday morning, we're going to be doing our share fest. Rather than doing church the way we usually do it, right? We're going to go out and we're going to serve our community doing good. So some of us are going to be painting houses for Habitat for Humanity. Some of us are going to be going out cleaning up schoolyards and and spreading mulch. Others will be doing basic repairs at houses of people in need. So so some, some will be going out praying at various sites. We as a church, what we're doing, we're making time to do good. And it is a blast. I mean, I love seeing parents with their young children kind of serving together. I love seeing e-groups doing this together. It is so fun. But here's the deal. I know, I know there are all sorts of other things we could be doing that morning. I realize that. I realize it's a a five-hour window if you include lunch. I mean, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of sleeping in time, a lot of fishing time, a lot of boating time. It's time for a round of golf. I get it. I get it, but I wonder, in the midst of that three-day weekend, I wonder if God is asking us to make time to do good 
for someone else. And ShareFest is an awesome way to do that. And now let me just share a logistical reality. With an event this size, we have to have an accurate count of who's coming so that we can assign you or your e-group to a specific project. And so we need you to register as soon as possible. You can register as a group or individual. We have, we have jobs for 1,200 people. We have jobs for 1,200 people, and we are not there. Sign, trust me here. We're not there sign-up-wise, okay? And so the reality is those jobs will just go undone. There are needs out there in our community, but if we don't have the volunteers, they will just go undone. If, if, people, if, if, if we don't have the people volunteering. And so registration, you just need to know, it closes this Monday, okay? You need to register. If you haven't registered, please register by this Monday. And then we will see you next Sunday, next week, Sunday morning at 8 o'clock here. For a, we're going to have a, just a brief worship thing, get our assignments, get our T-shirts. We have some cool T-shirts for all participants. It's going to be, and then we're going to go out to our site. So it's going to be a blast. And um, then we'll come back for a, a lunch together. So let's, ma- let's make time to do good next weekend. We have a great opportunity to apply this generosity principle. Okay, in addition to being generous with our time, Jesus then talks about another aspect of living a generous life, and that's being generous with our possessions, Being generous with our possessions. Look at verse 29. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Now, Jesus is not going easy on us here, is he, right? If someone takes my coat, I'm not even thinking about giving them my shirt. I want my coat back, right? I have this North Face fleece that I love. It is not too heavy. It's just perfect Colorado jacket, right? It's not too heavy. It's warm. I wear it in the fall, winter, and spring. I mean, I wear it all the time. And I remember one day last March, I couldn't find it. And I started to have this kind of panic thing, you know? Um, Where is that? And I started, did someone steal it from me? You know? And so I'm starting to wonder what is going on. And then finally, I remembered that I'd left it in the the church basement because of a meeting there. So I went and I got it. I mean, total relief. Ah, my blankie, you know? Um, But it was just this total relief and joy filled my heart. So when I read Jesus' words here, In light of my North Face fleece, I'm not sure about this. I mean, if some guy in need on a street corner asked for my fleece, would I be okay giving it to him? I don't think so. And I certainly wouldn't be interested in then, you know, giving, letting him have my shirt, right? I love my shirts too, by the way. But I, I think that's Jesus' point here. That's exactly what he's driving at. When we attach our heart to our stuff, it makes it really hard to love. It makes it really hard to be generous. When I'm clinging to my things, my jacket and my shirts and my phone and my lawnmower and my car and my shoes, it makes it really hard to love the way Jesus is describing It's really hard. When my kids were growing up, one of my favorite books to read them was this book right here. Um, Favorite stories to read them was about a little guy named Buzzle Billy. And the problem with Buzzle Billy is that he had gimme hands, okay? Buzzle Billy had gimme hands. So whenever he would not share his toys with other people, he would grow another hand. You can kind of see here, he has multiple hands, right? So he starts growing hands all over the place and no one wanted to play with him because he had gimme hands, right? No one wanted to play with him. And then finally, in his despair, a little girl, he was all alone, no one wanted to play with him. Finally, in his despair, a little girl came up to him 
she wanted to play, and she wanted to play with one of his favorite toys, and, and he lets her. And right then, as he let her play with one of, one, of those, one of his toys, one of those gimme hands just disappears. And the more he shares, the more these extra hands disappear. Now this idea of gimme hands has stuck with me because I see it in myself. I like to hold on to my things, my stuff. And as that story so powerfully illustrates, the, that choice impacts us. We grow more hands. We become more clingy and less loving. Now, the example Jesus gives here highlights a foundational principle about living a generous life. When we struggle to be generous, it is, it is most often rooted in our unwillingness to embrace this core truth. Everything I have is God's. Everything I have is God's. Say that with me. Everything I have is God's. That wasn't very convincing. No, just kidding. But uh, um, everything I have. No, just kidding. <laughs> but it's, it's a hard truth, but it's a critical truth. Do we believe it? Do we live according to this principle? Often the answer is no. See, the, the principle we typically live by is everything I have is Mine, exactly. And God is up there wanting to know how much, you know, he, he wants to know how much of my stuff am I going to give away, right? Which results in a life where, where giving is always a struggle. It is always a struggle because it is always this process of wrenching something that's mine from my hands, I mean, later in the book of Luke, in chapter 12, Jesus tells a story about a rich man who has this amazing bumper crop, right? It was a great year for his business, okay? Banner year for his bottom line. And so we read there that he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Do you hear his little gimme hands calling, right? I have no place to store my Crops. Now listen to those gimme hands multiplying here. Look at, the, look at how they multiply. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. I mean, there are lots of gimme hands growing in this story on this guy, right? He viewed his wealth through one lens. This is my stuff. And I get to do whatever I want to do because it's my stuff. And so what, what is God's response? Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? See, that's God's perspective on our gimme hands. You fool. It's foolish. Clinging to our stuff, focusing on how this stuff is ours, when in reality, it's not ours. If we were to die tonight, we're not taking it with us. None of it. My North Face fleece, someone else is going to be wearing that thing. We are not taking it with us. It is all God's. It's not mine. It is God's. And, and, and honestly, the, the flip side here, what an incredibly joy-filled and freeing way to live. Rather than gimme hands, we can live with open hands, not, not clinging to anything we have freely giving it away, knowing that our Heavenly Father is going to provide for us. I mean, when, when is, let me just ask, when is the last, I'm asking me too, when is the last time you or I, when is the last time 
you or I gave something away, something that was valuable to us. I mean, for me, I'll give stuff to ARC, but it won't be any shirts that I like, okay? It won't be any clothes that I'm wearing. See, I keep those. See, I'm convicted by this question. When is the last time I gave something valuable away for the sake of someone else? Something valuable. Do, do you, do you or I, do, do, do we live with open hands, realizing everything we have is God's anyway? Or do we live with gimme hands? Being traumatized when someone borrows our lawnmower or golf clubs or car or hiking gear or Frisbee golf discs or whatever. See, this is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And that's why it impacts our capacity to love. When other things fill our hearts, love gets squeezed out. Love gets squeezed out. Okay, a third way to cultivate a generous life is in being generous with our finances. Look at verse 34. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. See, now th this moves from the realm of possessions to the realm of, of money. Are we willing to lend money only to people that we know can and, can and will pay us back? See, what about lending to an enemy who we know won't pay us back? That's no longer a loan. That's a gift. That's a gift. How do we feel about giving a gift like that? Giving a gift, knowing it's not, giving a financial gift, knowing it's not coming back. It's hard, it's hard to fathom for many of us doing that. And here's why. We like to control our money. We like to control our money. We like to dictate where our money goes and how it will be used. I mean, sometimes people will, I'm sure none of us here, but sometimes people will stop giving to their church because they don't agree with the decision that was made. Now, I wonder what Jesus thinks about that. I wonder what Jesus thinks about that in light of his words here. See, when we unpack this scenario that he's talking about here, when we unpack this, it seems that the underlying principle is, is this. When we give money away, we are ultimately giving to God. When we give money away, we are ultimately giving to God. See, ultimately, it is to him that we're giving, not to this person or church or organization, whatever, it's, it's to him. See, this, again, this is a heart issue. Our generosity, this is the point, I think, our generosity is, isn't, isn't to be primarily about us getting our agenda accomplished. About us, it's not, our generosity, you know, is not to be primarily about us only giving if this person or organization or church does exactly what we think they ought to do with it. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying we shouldn't plan our giving. I'm not saying it's not important to trust the organization you're giving. I'm not, I'm not saying any of that, I'm not saying, but, but, I'm, but I'm pushing on something here because for all of us, all of, all, all of that is important. It's obviously important as good stewards of God's money, but we need to make sure that in our hearts, our giving is not ultimately about us controlling the outcome. It's about giving to the Lord. It's about giving to him. So when, when these two principles begin to take root in our hearts, I mean, both of these are, are incredibly powerful. This, this idea that everything I have is God's, right? 
And this idea that when I give to whoever or whatever, when I give, I'm actually giving to the Lord. When those two principles take root in our hearts, watch out. (laughs) Watch out because God is going to expand our heart in this whole area of overflowing generosity. And buckle up because it's going to be awesome. The impact is going to be huge. And which we're going to talk about in just a moment. But first, there's one other aspect of living a generous life, and that is being generous with forgiveness. Being generous with forgiveness. Look at verse 37. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. See, forgiveness is an incredibly generous act. You ever think about that? It is an incredibly generous act. I mean, the English word has the word give right in it. Forgive, right? Forgive. It is right there. And the Greek word that Jesus uses here, it is a word that literally means to release, to let go of. And it was often used in financial context. If you would cancel a debt, that's the word he's using here. It is to cancel a debt. It's to release someone from a debt that they owe you. That's exactly what forgiveness is. To forgive someone is to choose to cancel a debt. When someone hurts you, they owe you. And to forgive is to let go of that offense. And, and, and that, is a, that is totally a demonstration of generosity, right? It, it, it reflects a generous heart. When we cling to a hurt, when we harbor bitterness towards someone who hurt us, isn't that really like gimme hands? I want to hold on to this. Oop, there's another one. Another give me hand. I'm going to hold on to that hurt. Oop, there's another one. Right? It's just give me hands. I don't want to let it go. I'm going to hold on to it. But as Jesus points out, the problem with unforgiveness and give me hands in this area, the problem is that it hinders our ability to experience God's mercy and forgiveness of us, right? See, we think that, that by forgiving, you know, canceling a debt, we think that by doing that, we're letting this person off the hook, that they're getting away with something. But in reality, what we're doing is setting our own hearts free. See, by clinging to a hurt, we're just letting that person hurt us again and again. I'm not letting go. Well, yeah, I mean, you're just going to let them hurt you again and again and again as you nurse and rehearse that hurt. We're just letting them hurt us again and again. It's it's, it's a poison that infects our hearts. It hinders our ability to love. Not just just the person who hurt us. It it seeps into every relationship in our lives. I'm I'm not proud to admit this, but a few months ago, I I got mad at someone for something they, they did to me, and I unfriended them on Facebook. And the only reason some of you are laughing is because you've done this. I know it. I mean, it felt good. It felt really good in that moment. But looking back now, I'm like, that was so petty of me. It was so small-hearted. It's a picture of a heart that's not being generous with forgiveness. It's not being generous with mercy. I had gimme hands. I had gimme hands. I wanted some form of revenge. And now, of course, I can't undo that unless I send another friend request, and then they'll know that I unfriended them. I mean, see, unforgiveness, unforgiveness wreaks havoc in our lives, in our hearts. It it creates messes that are not easy to untangle. It stops the flow of overflowing love in and through our lives. That's what it does. It stops the flow of overflowing love. 
which is why Jesus wants us to be generous with mercy, why he wants us to be, choose to forgive. He says in verse 36, be merciful just as your father is merciful. See, that's the only way we can find the ability to forgive someone who hurt us. It is not in our own power. We don't want to do this. That's not the issue. It's in realizing that we have been forgiven by God for so much. I mean, Jesus gave his life for us on the cross so that all of our sins, all of them could be forgiven. I mean, talk about generosity. He gave his time. He gave his possessions. He gave his life, his forgiveness to us in overflowing measure. So as recipients of all of that, how can we not respond with generosity to others who hurt us? How can we not in light of all he has done for us? See, no, it's no wonder that generosity is such a big deal to Jesus. And it is a big deal to him. It is no, it's no wonder that it's such a big deal. It's no wonder that he wants his followers to reflect this in the way we live our lives. It's no wonder. It's because he is a generous God. God is love, i.e. he gives. Love gives. God is love. He's incredibly generous. He's a giving God. Now, now I want to go back to the verse we started with because Jesus does something in this verse that is so significant and is so important. We, we dare not miss this. Don't go to the restroom if you're, you plan on doing that. You don't want to miss this. Okay, this is really, really good. And it gets to this question of why is generosity so important? Why is it so important? I mean, we've talked about what it looks like, and, and, and it, but why is it so important that we cultivate a generous life? Obviously, it's a reflection of God's heart. It impacts other people. That is certainly true, but there is another reason. There is another reason that Jesus wants us to live a generous life. It's something that Jesus highlights in a very powerful way in verse 38. Look again with me at this verse. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. Now notice something very important. Jesus spends one word talking about what we are to do. Give. And then he spends 23 words talking about what we receive when we give. And the ratio here is fascinating, and, and, and it reveals a critical truth that Jesus does not want us to miss. Here's the truth. The reason Jesus talks so often about generosity is not because he wants something from us. It's because he wants something for us. The reason he talks, he talks so often about generosity is not because he needs something from us. It's not because he wants something from us. It's because he has something for us. He wants something for us. So when we choose to live a generous life in terms of time or possessions or money or forgiveness, we open the door to receive incredible blessings from the Lord. In fact, look, look at the language Jesus uses here. It is over the top language. He is not saying give and you may get a few blessings trickling back. You know, he's not saying that. Look at this description. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. Anyone hearing him in the origin, that original day, anyone hearing him would have immediately understood the analogy that Jesus is using. The picture he's giving here is of a measuring jar. 
that's filled with, let's say, corn or something, or some, uh, you know, some, something in that kind of a shape, right? Little, little things in a jar. And then so the, 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 it's full of that, okay, whatever that happens to be. And that's what he means by good measure. It's not, it's not half full. It's a jar. It's not half full. It's not a quarter full. It is, it's full. But then that corn is pressed down, right, into the jar to make sure it's going to hold as much as possible. And after that, it is shaken together so that it settles into every available space. And then finally, more corn is actually poured on top of that so that it overflows. It is an awesome picture of overflowing blessing. And notice who is the recipient of this. It's the person who gives, the person who's generous. See, God is promising all of these amazing, abundant blessings for those who choose to be generous. And generosity is what opens the door for this overflow in our lives. He's just describing this overflow. Generosity is what opens the door for that. I mean, and, and by the way, this, this passage isn't the only passage in the Bible where this kind of over-the-top imagery is used in the, in the context of giving. It happens all the time. Um, you could look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I mean, it's just, again, and, and 8 and 9. It's just amazing. But here's, here's an example here in Malachi 3. In the Old Testament, Malachi 3, verse 10, in this chapter, God's challenging his people to stop withholding from him their tithes and offerings, okay? He says, stop doing that. And then look at what he says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Overflow, overflow. That's what God is describing. Throwing open the floodgates of heaven, pouring out so much blessing. I mean, God uses such vivid language in these passages because he doesn't want us to miss this promise. Give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. That's a promise that is repeated over and over and over and over again in the Bible. God does not want us to miss this. Living a life of generosity with our time, with our possessions, with our money, with our forgiveness, it is, it is, it's, not just, it's not just something we do for God, it is for us. <laughs> it is for us, it changes us, it fills us with overflowing blessings like joy and peace and, and freedom and provision and, and purpose. Amazing blessings can be ours. That's what he's saying. Amazing blessings can be ours. Now, not surprisingly, scientific research now backs this up, right? This has been in the Bible for centuries, right? And here, scientific research now backs this principle up. I just read, this this last week, just read a, about a five-year study on generosity, just recently completed. Five-year study on generosity involved 2,000 people. This wasn't like a Christian study. It was just a scientific study of generosity. Here's what the researchers discovered. There is a consistent link, a consistent link between demonstrating generosity and leading a better life. So here's what they discovered. People who are more generous are happier. They suffer fewer illnesses and injuries. They live with a greater sense of purpose. And they experience less depression. I want to read that again. People who are more generous are happier. They suffer fewer illnesses and injuries. They live with a greater sense of purpose. And they experience less depression. 
Now, the research also showed, and they made it very, very clear, that these blessings, what they wouldn't call them blessings, but these benefits of giving, they come, they're not from occasional random acts of kindness, right? Which people talk about all the time. Oh, random acts of kindness. Yeah, yeah. It's not from just random occasional acts of kindness. No, no, no. What they discovered is that these things come from consistently, regularly practicing generosity. This scientific study just confirms what God has been saying all along. Jesus invites us to enjoy a truckload of spiritual and physical and emotional blessings through generosity. But here's the deal. The choice is ours. See, Jesus makes this so clear in the last line of verse 38. And I just hope this, this line, this, this phrase that he says, or this sentence, I just hope it just kind of penetrates our hearts. It just kind of lodges there because this is so important. Look at what he says. After talking about overflowing, genes- overflowing blessings for generosity, look at what he says. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. With the measure you use, you choose to use, it will be measured to you. I mean, do you hear what he's saying here? He is not saying every follower of mine will have all these blessings in abundance no matter what. No, 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 that's not what he's saying. What he says is the measure of the blessing you receive, the amount of blessing you receive is directly connected to the measure of generosity you extend to others. Directly connected. If we have a little cup full of generosity, okay, here you go. We will get a little cup full right back poured into our lap. And if we have a truckload of generosity, if we are living with a truckload of generosity, we are consistently extending to others, we receive truckload-sized blessings. Our level of generosity determines the measure of the blessings that come our way. That's what Jesus is saying. If that offends you, don't email me, okay? Talk to Jesus about it because that's what, he's the one who said it. Don't email me. Talk to Jesus about it because he's the one who said it here. He said it so plainly. Our level of generosity determines the measure of blessings that come our way. So imagine the impact not only in our lives, but in the lives of those around us, if we actually believe that, <laughs> if we actually believe what he says here, if we actually put into practice what Jesus is describing, imagine the impact. See, the result, here's what the result would be. The result would be overflowing love in our hearts, poured out, right? In our hearts, and then spilling over into a desperate and love-hungry world. That would be the impact of our generosity. It's awesome. That's what he's saying. So let, let, let's, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Um, Jesus, thank you. Man, even when it just kind of hits us right between the eyes, it's good. <laughs> it's good because you're pointing us to life. You're pointing us to life. You're saying, this is the way. This is the way, trust me, believe me, this is the way to experience overflowing life. And, and Lord, we admit it's hard. It's hard to hear. It's even harder to apply. But we want all that you have for us. 
We, we don't want to pick and choose in this passage what we're going to apply and what we're not going to. We, we want all that you have for us. And so we pray for that. Holy Spirit, you would be speaking to our hearts right now about this area. So here's what I want you to do here. Just all of us here is your, your eyes are closed. You're just kind of reflecting. I just want you to think about your own life right now. And Holy Spirit, I just pray you'd help us think about the honestly about this. But here's what I want us to do. Just think about your own life. Do, do you have gimme hands in any of the areas I talked about? In terms of your time, you have gimme hands. Not being willing to do good, you know, just give time up because we got so many things we want to do. Is that happening? Or what about, do you have gimme hands in terms of certain possessions? That if someone asks you to give something, you would not let go of that. Or maybe it's money. Do you have gimme hands in terms of money? Just kind of wanting to control and, and forgetting that when you give, you give to God. You're giving to God. Or maybe there, we have gimme hands in terms of unforgiveness. We are hanging on to that hurt. We're just going to hold, we're going to nurse it for a little while longer and, and hold it against this other person, kind of ignore them for a while and unfriend them on Facebook or whatever it happens to be. Where, where do you have gimme hands right now? Holy Spirit, show us. Now, here, here's what I want you to do, just if you're comfortable doing this, no one's looking around, but that gimme hands imagery is so powerful. You can do this in your heart or you can do it actually physically, but I want to encourage you just to open your hands to the Lord. And just in the quiet of her heart, say to him, everything is yours. That jacket I love, my possessions, my money, my time, even these hurts that I'm carrying, Lord, they're, they're yours. And I just open my hands from clinging and holding on so tightly, I open them to you. So Holy Spirit, as we are praying that, would you help us walk in generosity? Whatever that looks like. It may mean intentionally going home and giving away something that is valuable to us. It may be signing up for ShareFest or something else where we thought, nope, we were too busy. Well, we're gonna make time for that. Maybe it's, it's a decision about our giving to the Lord to wherever, to people, to church, to other organizations, just about how we've kind of viewed that. And, and God, you're changing that, the way we view that, just open-handedness. Maybe it's about forgiveness, but Lord, we just want to pray you'd help us take these next steps and to live with open hands. And, and here's what I want to pray, Lord, as we do that, 
in your strength. It's because you're a generous God. You've forgiven us. That's the reason you've given us so much. That's the reason we can live this way. It's because everything we have is yours anyway. And so I just want to pray right now. I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, just for an overflowing love to be poured out into our hearts in mercy. That, that's the way it's going to happen. It's because, Lord, you're, you are loving us. You have already loved us and been so generous to us and forgiving that as, as that's happening in us, it's just overflowing. Of course I'll give this jacket away because God has given me so much. Of course I'll forgive this person because God has forgiven me for so much. It's just in response to the amazing God you are. Oh, thank you, Lord. I just pray for more of your life as we move forward in generosity, more of your blessings. God, pour it out. You promise in your word over and over and over. We're just, we're just claiming those promises. <laughs> you say, test me in this. We are testing you in this. We are choosing to be generous. And as we do that, I pray for blessings to be overflowing, poured out upon us in amazing ways so that maybe in two or three months we would look back and think, man, look at what God has done. Look at what God is doing in my faith and my life and relationships. And it all started with this decision to do what you tell us to do, Lord, to live a generous life. So we pray for that. Thank you for who you are. And thank you for this opportunity we have right now to be generous with our praise because you're so worthy of that. So we pray that you would set us free right now just to extend to you, to express to you our adoration and our praise because you're such an awesome God. So why don't we stand wherever you're at, whatever campus you're at, why don't you begin standing? If at some point you want to sit down, that's totally cool, but let's begin standing. Jesus, set us free to worship you, to be generous with our praise right now. We love you, Lord.